Welcome this evening, especially uh, if you are a visitor here. My name is Alison Wark and I'm one of the members here. And this evening, David will be continuing the Talking the Talk series on King David in 2 Samuel um, chapter 22. And we're also going to meet around the Lord's table as part of the service. In our worship this evening, we're going to turn our thoughts for a time to Psalm 18, as you will see later in the service correlates with um, 2 Samuel chapter 22. So to start with, we're going to sing three songs together, and I'm going to read some scripture in between. Um, but before we do, let us still our thoughts and pray. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to meet together in fellowship and worship this evening. And as we look at your word this evening, let us be open to the speaking of your spirit. We praise you, God, for your way is perfect and your word is flawless. You are a shield for all who take refuge in you. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is God besides the Lord? We worship you. Amen. Let us all um, stand to sing.
I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. In my distress, I call to the Lord. I cry to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice.
trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountains shook they trembled because he was angry smoke rose from his nostrils consuming fire came from his mouth burning coals blazed out of it he parted the heavens and came down dark clouds were under his feet he mounted the cherubim and flew he soared on the wings of the wind he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Most High resounded. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters.
Amen. Good evening. Just to run through the announcements for the week ahead. Um, there is no vine coffee after uh, the service, contrary to what was announced and what's in Buzzline. Uh, maybe that's just to whet your appetite and get you ready for uh, when we'll confirm when the next one is. Um, tomorrow evening at 7.30 is the office bearers meeting. And Tuesday at 10.15 is Good Book Club. And then at 8 o'clock the missionary committee meet. Wednesday at 8 o'clock we have the last of our summer feedback prayer meetings. So if you want to come along and hear more of what's been going on during the summer, please do come along to that. Thursday at 10.15 is parent and toddler group. And then Friday kicks off uh, one big weekend of launching the youth activities. Fuse are doing laser tag. And then at 8 o'clock is live music, pizza and shakes for year 11 plus on Saturday. Next Sunday morning, also then transit launch with breakfast at 10.15. And then our morning service and evening services during which David will be speaking and Claire also launching in the evening. And there should have been a postcard given to all the young people this morning. Um, if any of your young people didn't get it, uh, please do try and get one from the porch. Walk Wisely weekend, 2nd to 4th of October, a weekend away at Mullerton House for all young people, year 8 to 14 in the Friends, about making wise choices. The first, as we said this morning, is to book your kids in before it gets booked out. And booking is only open for one week, so parents, you know, you get to, get rid of, you get to send your kids off <laughs> for a great weekend where they'll learn how to make wise choices. So really, everyone's a winner on this one. So do go to the website there and uh, get your kids booked in. Good Book Club are still short of crash help and looking for volunteers. Even if you can help on a one-off basis or just very irregularly, you'd be very welcome to help. It's from when the Bible study starts for about an hour at 10.30. Um, help needed for Tuesday morning. I don't know if there's been any change on that. We still need help for Tuesday morning. Nobody's nodding or shaking heads, so let's assume we might still need help. Um, do please uh, speak to one of us afterwards if you think you could help this Tuesday. And best wishes to Walter and Victoria for their wedding at Windsor this coming Thursday. And also congratulations to Paul and Angela Montgomery on the birth of Isaac Stephen, born on Friday, weighing eight pounds, four ounces. So your offering um, will now be received. Um, if you haven't come prepared, don't worry, just um, pass the bag along. People in Windsor give in a variety of ways. And during the offering, um, we're going to play an adaptation um, of Psalm 18. Um, it's a song called Overcome, and it's by James Block. I can run against the truth 
just going to take some time now um, to pray for others. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you, Lord, that you are our strength. Lord, we keep this in mind as we bring before you the needs of others in our church family and further afield. We do pray in particular tonight for those who are undergoing tests or treatment and for those who can't be with us um, due to sickness or frailty. Just think um, particularly of Riley Thompson, um, who we've just heard has a septic appendix at present and is at home on antibiotics with the view to maybe surgery or maybe not, depending. And we do pray for him that he would make a full recovery and that there will be wisdom for those that are looking after him what the best decision is. And we pray for those who are stressed um, or worried um, for whatever reason. And Lord, that verse in Psalm 18, which says, you reached down from on high and took hold of me. You drew me out of deep waters. Dear Lord, for those here or at home tonight who feel that they are in deep waters, may they know that your hand is holding them. May they have a real sense of that and a sense of your presence with them. And Lord, we pray for those of our family further afield um, for the beginning of a new semester um, of ministry for many of our missionary family. Um, we think of those that we had at home with us over the summer and how they've gone back to the start of ministry again. And over the next few months, we pray that they will see encouragements in their work and would know your help and strength. We do um, pray for Rachel Roney, who um, told us this morning about her um, heading off to Australia this week. May she know um, your protection and your hand with her. And for those of our young people who are going to university or starting a new year um, of study elsewhere, may they have a real sense of your presence and peace as they maybe live away from home for the first time. Help them to find a, a good church family and to make close friends in their new situation. And Lord, our heart breaks as we um, look around the world around us in chaos with um, war and sadness, um, with refugees, with um, nowhere to go, um, persecution, atrocities. And yet, Lord, we know that you are working in lives and that your Holy Spirit is moving. Lord, give us compassion, we pray and give our leaders much needed wisdom at the present time. Help us to be lights, Lord, for you in our world today. Amen. 
We're just going to um, rise to sing again, Jesus, your name, um, Prince of Peace. It's one of the, the Getty hymns. And then David is going to come and speak. Thank you, Alison. Uh, last Sunday night, if you were here, we, uh, we left David mourning and grieving the, the brutal and barbaric killing of his son Absalom. And, and he was truly, as we discovered last week, heartbroken. Tonight, we find David singing at the top of his voice. And, and without going any further, we're, we're immediately reminded that human life consists of a whole range of emotions and experiences. There are highs and there are lows. There are sadnesses and joys. 
bright days and dark nights. Or to quote the Old Testament wisdom writer, there is a time to cry and a time to laugh. And there's a time to grieve and a time to dance. There will be circumstances and events that cause us to cry our eyes out. And there'll be others that prompt us to sing at the top of our lungs. And that's just part and parcel of the rich tapestry of life. And I realize that there'll be people here tonight who are just loving singing. And there's others who internally are falling apart. And here we find David last week, mourning, grieving, crying. This week, singing. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to the second Samuel 22. It's page 294. If you were here last week, you'll have realized, hang on a minute, you've just skipped three chapters. What happened chapter 19, 20, and 21? But that's okay. I never said that I was going to cover every twist and turn in David's life. But 2 Samuel 22 is, is immediately fascinating for a couple of reasons. And, and Alison has alluded to the first. If you also flick over, and maybe you already have, to Psalm 18, you'll find a virtual carbon copy of 2 Samuel 22, word for word, apart from one minor addition. And this is really rare in Scripture. Yes, there are parts of Old Testament texts and sections that appear in the Psalms or versions of them, but in this case, the entire poem, the whole song is duplicated. And that's unusual. And I've got nothing more to say than that, okay? But it's just worth bearing in mind. But the second interesting feature relates to chronology, timing. Where does this song fit? Look at the very first verse of 2 Samuel 22, or Psalm 18. It says this, David sang to the Lord the words of this song, when the Lord delivered him from the hands of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now, by the time you get to 2 Samuel 22, Saul is long gone. David has been king for years and so this song is really intended to be read against the backdrop of David's time of being on the run from Saul in 1 Samuel chapters 19 to 26, and maybe specifically after his escape and deliverance and bailout in 1 Samuel 23. So in other words, 2 Samuel 22, this particular song, really in chrono chrono chronological terms, big words, I struggle with them, uh, should be much earlier. Why the editor kind of decided to stick it here, who knows? And we'll come back to the song's chronology and timing a, a little later. But now, again, I'm just pointing that out. I just want you to hold that. Okay, let's begin to read the text, or rather listen to the lyrics. And in terms of tune, just make one up in your head, okay? But let's stand together for the public reading of God's Word. And in a sense, I'm just reading already what Alison has read, but that's okay, because it is duplicated in God's Word, so we're duplicating it again tonight. So let's read. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, or sang, the Lord is my rock, he's my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn or the strength of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. 
from violent people you save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God, and from his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens. He came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the seas were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high, took hold of me, drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place and rescued me because he delighted in me. Grab a seat. As Alison prayed, she prayed for those who are here tonight or who you know and are feeling overwhelmed. And I don't know if you are here tonight and you're kind of feeling overwhelmed by a situation by a circumstance, by even an enemy. Where anyone, where you feel that life's closing in, the odds are stacked against you. And in a very real sense, this, this is where David was. This is where he found himself at this time. And so in verse five, he says, do you know, I felt it was drowning. I was being dragged under. And so in my distress, says David, I cried out, or he sings, I cried out to God, and I found deliverance. I found rescue. I found salvation. When all seemed lost, when David felt like a lost cause, he called and was saved. And in response, he sings, which is the absolutely right appropriate and fitting response whenever you experience God's deliverance. Whenever you know you've been rescued. And even connecting that thought to this table that we will eat from very shortly. For many of us here this evening, we are living in the wake of God's ultimate rescue from an overwhelming situation. We were lost, many of us, suffocating, drowning in our sin staring at an incredibly bleak and hopeless future, but having cried out to God at whatever point in your life, having cried out to God, many of you have found rescue, deliverance, and salvation. And therefore we sing. We sing our songs of deliverance. And we must never tire of doing so. 
Because in a sense, David's story is our story. But back to Samuel 22. And before we look at and kind of celebrate the the character of David's deliverer and, and the reasons why he turned in God's direction, I want us to note and recognize the sense of intimacy that comes across in the first few lines of this song in verses two and three. And it continues right throughout the song, but it really strikes you up front. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shade, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. This is incredibly personal. God is personal. There was an intimate connection, a relationship between David and his God. God wasn't some distant deity that David called to from a distance, no. He wasn't a God who was remote or aloof or removed. It was clearly proximity, a sense of belonging, a sense of relationship. And therefore, those repeated personal pronouns are highly significant. They're encouraging, they're enlightening. And if you go back to Psalm 18, 18, the depth of the relationship is even further revealed in the opening verse, which is the additional bit that you find in Psalm 18 that you don't find in 2 Samuel 22. But look, if you do have a finger in Psalm 18, look at the way it starts. And the song that Alison played during offering picked up in this. Very simple, moving words. I love you, Lord, my strength. David was able to say that and sing it. And I know we sometimes sing this wee uncomplicated chorus. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. And and it calls us, a little chorus like this, calls us and others like it to express our love for God. But not everyone is comfortable doing that. Not, Not everyone likes songs like this. Songs that convey our our personal love and feelings for God. But given David's example here, it's entirely biblical. The bigger issue in question is, can we actually sing those words with integrity? Do, Do we have that personal love relationship with God? Can we say with David, God, you are my whatever? intimacy. Your strength lies in your intimacy with God. So this is personal, but let's let's now look at those descriptions that, that David uses and affirms. Here they are. Rock, fortress, deliverer, shield, horn or strength, stronghold, refuge, savior. David had grown up and spent a lot of time in an outdoor wilderness context where huge rocks were scattered and located all over the landscape. And David knew those to be places of shelter and security and safety. They were hiding places that offered refuge from danger, that offered protection from the elements. They were a place to kind of lean against, a place to rest on. 
And therefore, as David turns to God at a time of personal difficulty and crisis, at at a time when he feels as if he's suffocating, he's overwhelmed, he's drowning, he's going under, he's in distress, it's those solid aspects of God's nature and character that he looks to and that he sings about. And for us, although we may not relate as readily or as naturally to this imagery, those facts and realities concerning God remain true for us. He is our safety net. He is our security. He is our solid ground. Does that mean, and as David sang this, did he think, but does this mean that we will always feel safe? That even though God is our rock and our fortress and our deliverance, does this mean we will always feel safe? And never up against it and immune from danger. Well, of course we don't. Because those facts about God, they were true. They were personal to David. He had discovered them. He had proved them in the past. But at this point in time, he's running for his life. The snares of death are confronting him. Yes, God is my rock and he is my fortress and he is my deliverer and he is my shield. But you see right at the moment, I am running for my life. I'm scared. I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling overwhelmed. David's in distress. And so it's in and it's through those experiences and hardships and challenges that we must then affirm who God is and turn to him again with confidence and find safety and security. But does it mean we will avoid or be exempt from difficulties or overwhelming situations again in the future? Of course not. To quote another song from the Psalter, God is our refuge and strength, a very personal help, not from, but in trouble. And so David looks to God and he cries out to him in his distress. And in verse 7, we read that God hears. God listens. And God responds to the cries of his children. David's cries don't fall on deaf ears. And again, this further reveals the personal nature of God. This is a God who cares. This is a God who is attentive. This is a God who has compassion for people. And so if you're here tonight and you are crying out to God in an overwhelming situation, don't give up. Don't think you're being ignored. It might feel like that. You've maybe been crying out to God for I don't know how long. Don't give up. God hears. God responds. And using David's model, can I encourage you? Acknowledge who God is. Continue to cry out to him. And trust and believe that he's listening. And the next part of David's song then is really quite striking. And I, don't, I hope you picked up on those, those, this, both from the time Alison read it and when I read it. The lyrics paint a very graphic picture of what happens next, of, of how God reacts, of how God responds to David's cries. Because as I say, he's been listening, he's heard. And at one level, what you read from kind of verse eight on, it, it's quite confusing, it's out of this world. And there's no doubt that the language is metaphorical. It must be because we know God doesn't have nostrils. God doesn't have a mouth. God doesn't have feet. 
This is picture language. But what these lyrics do convey is a sense of the awesome power and majesty of God. God's salvation is earth-shattering, literally earth-shattering. It says the universe is rocked. It's left reeling, according to verse 8. And one of the things that I love about this song and this prayer is that it reminds us of the tension that there is with God between friendship and fear. Something that we have mentioned and talked about before. Yes, I have kind of spent time time highlighting the intimate language at the beginning of this song in Psalm. I've made the point that God is near, God is close, God is personal. But at the same time, we must never forget that God is completely other. God is holy. He is majestic. He is, and I know this may seem a little crass, he is the Almighty, not the Almighty. And we've got to find and maintain a proper balance. We have got to discover appropriate reverence, friendship, and fear. And one of the commentators I was, I was reading on this section made the point that if you look down these verses, that at once... God is a God of brightness, and so there's reference to flames and lightning and blazing coals, but also there is reference to God of thick darkness. And as the commentator reflected on this, he wrote something that, that, that when I came across it, and I came across it during the summer, and I wrote it down, and I've really been reflecting on this, and it's kind of sparked an idea for a series we're going to do after on Sunday nights once we finish David's life. But this is something this commentator wrote. And it actually was picked up then in a book I've been reading as well. But he said this, This God is a God of paradox and mystery, not a tame deity or divine plaything. And I, I, I've really been reflecting on that thought. A God of paradox. A God of mystery, a God we don't have to explain fully. A God we can't explain fully. A God we can't box. He's not a tame deity or a divine plaything. And as I say, once we finish this series, about the middle of October, we're going to go on to a series called, and there's been a book written, Paradoxology. And we're going to look at and we're going to explore, I'm using the book by Chris Candai as a kind of launch pad for this, but we're going to look at some of the paradoxes of God that are illustrated in various Bible characters. So for example, a God who is fearsome yet full of compassion. A God who needs nothing but demands everything. And we're going to look at about a dozen paradoxes from the middle of October until about February. Back to David's song. This personal and awesome God of his has heard his cries. He stepped into his situation. And in verses 17 to 20, if you look at those, David rejoices in his rescue. Verse 17, he says, God has reached down, saved me from drowning. Verse 18, God has delivered me from this hate-filled enemy. Verse 19, God has been my support structure. Verse 20, I no longer feel trapped. I no longer feel confined, but I've been brought into, and I love this imagery, I've been brought into a spacious place. Peterson 
paraphrasing or, or his translation of it says, into a wide open field. In other words, God has brought me into a place of freedom. And I know there are people here, as I've said, who are feeling overwhelmed. And you've been calling out to God personally and you've been doing it reverently. But as yet, your experience is not David's. And therefore, verses 17 to 20 kind of jar a bit with you at the moment. And therefore, I want to tread carefully. But can I please encourage you to keep using David's model? Acknowledge who God is. Cry out to him. Trust and believe that he's listening. But connecting David's immediate salvation that he found here to our kind of eternal salvation that we're going to be again reflecting on around this table. God has heard our cries. God has reached down. God has delivered us from a hate-filled enemy. God has provided the necessary support structure. And God has brought so many of you sitting here this evening into a wide open field, a spacious place, a place of freedom. One of the amazing things about the Psalms is that they can serve as everyone's prayers. The Psalms are our prayer book. We can take these words, we can pray them for ourselves, we can allow them to fuel our prayer lives. Yes, they were often written at specific times into specific situations like Psalm 18, 2 Samuel 22, but the Psalms are universal in their accessibility and application which is why the Psalms have been read and prayed and sung for centuries by individual Christians and Christian communities. You can take these songs and sing them for yourself. And as we come to communion this evening, we can take verses 17 to 20. For some of you who say there are specific situations you're crying out to God and you haven't found deliverances yet in those but if you're a child of God, you can take verses 17 to 20 and you can use them tonight as your prayer of thanksgiving and recognition of what God has done for you as you gather around this table. But let me finish with, with a quick look at the next little section that Alison didn't read and I haven't read. Glance down verses 21 to 28 for me and I'm only gonna spend two minutes on this and then hand back to Alison. And this is what takes us back to the issue of timing and chronology with this song and psalm. Because as David sings these next set of lyrics, they jar. They're out of tune. David sings here about the, look, look at this, he sings about the cleanliness of his hands. He sings about how he has kept the ways of the Lord, he's not departed from them. He says that he's blameless, he's guiltless, he's pure. Now, at one point, Maybe early on in his life, pre-becoming king, we might have understood those lyrics. But if you've been following this series, when you get to 2 Samuel 22, which is post Bathsheba, we're all too aware of how far David has strayed from God's ways. His hands are filthy, dirty. His heart certainly isn't clean. And so then, surely this chapter, this song fits far better earlier. 
But even in saying that, we know that following his wayward behavior, his poor choices and his immorality, David sought God's forgiveness. And Psalm 51, that prayer of confession and repentance, we discover is where he acknowledged his sin. He asked God, God, wash my sin away. Give me clean hands and a pure heart. And we know that God did answer his heart's cry. God did restore to him the joy of his salvation. And therefore, there may be credibility in these, these lyrics of 2 Samuel 22, even if they were sung post Bathsheba or pre. Because David had found forgiveness. And what we discover here is that God's forgiveness is truly incredible. And as we approach this table, let us never forget that if we confess our sin, God's faithful, God is just, and he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he will allow us and enable us to sing again at the top of our lungs. And therefore, as we prepare to eat and drink, I want us to sing, Search Me and Know Me. A song that is a kind of prayer taken from Psalm 51. But, but, as well as it being a song to kind of prepare us to eat and drink, and a song that says again, God, I'm back here, and I need clean hands, and I need a pure heart. Alongside that, I want to encourage those who are feeling overwhelmed at the moment to also use these moments to pray Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. I love you, Lord. You're my strength. You're my rock. You're my fortress, etc., etc. Pray those words. Acknowledge who God is. Keep crying out to him in your distress. And believe me. No. Trust God's word. God hears. And God will respond. And so as we prepare, let's sing, search me, know me. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, sing Psalm 18, 1 and 2 into yourself. The servers come forward just during the singing of this song. Thank you.
As we come to the Lord's table, um, we share this as part of our morning and our evening service. And if you have trusted in faith in the Lord Jesus, you are welcome to take part in um, the sharing of the bread and wine. And if you're not sure, um, there's no embarrassment. Just pass the emblems to the person beside you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A prayer of thanks. We thank you for the Lord's table, for the tradition of remembering that brings us back to what is central. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you for your love that kept you there, that you died in our place. And as we eat this bread, it reminds us of your body broken for us. And as we drink this wine, it reminds us of your blood shed for us. We thank you for your sacrifice for us that you took our place. Amen. As we um, close the service, um, let's rise um, together to sing, Great is your faithfulness, O God.
to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.